Hello, I'm Guy King, and you're listening to Talking Blues. So, Guy, how did music come into your life? At a very early age, uh, there was a lot of music in my household. I'm uh, the baby boy. I was the baby boy out of four two older brothers and an older sister, and we all played. My parents uh, made sure we all played an instrument. Were your parents musical? They were very musical, but they did not have the financial possibilities because of a different reality when they were little to mm-hmm. actually play an instrument. So it was very important to them that we played an instrument. Okay, so tell me where you're from. I was born and raised in Israel. As you were growing up in Israel, And, and your parents wanted you guys to play music. What was the music that you were you grew up with? Uh, um, it was you know I'm from a very small country town in Israel. It was very rural. There were about 68 families in the little village where I grew wow. up. Wow. Is this like a farming town or what It kind? was kind of there were about five little uh, villages all next to each other. Each one had the same amount of families, and it was a little community, and everybody kind of knew each other in high school. Very beautiful place to to grow. You could be outside a lot, play outside. Uh, a lot of agriculture, a lot of fruits, a lot of crops. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what was popular mostly in the radio and on the one TV channel that there was, right. uh, which was... Uh, The known stuff from here. I remember uh, Louis Armstrong, my father liked. He was on the radio in the afternoon sometimes. Some classical music, some opera that my mother liked. Uh, um, remember Ray Charles coming on the radio. I remember one David Bowie LP at the house and a Michael Jackson, uh, either off the wall or thriller or both LP at the house. What was uh, the Bowie? Let's Dance. Nice. Um... A lot of stuff that, see, I'm, again, I'm a baby boy, so my older brothers and sisters listen to a lot. I remember Elvis and Buddy and Richie Valens and Buddy Holly playing. Uh, my parents liked some of these things. Uh, early rock and roll, should we say. Right. Uh, but also a lot of popular music that was Israeli at the time. They were really influenced, if I'm thinking about it and analyzing it as a musician. It was a great era, I think, in, musical, in music in general that a lot of stuff was influenced by more melodies and a little more sensibility. Maybe some uh, a lot of Beatles-influenced stuff. Right. Uh, Elton John, I heard. Eric Clapton was uh, something I heard because of my brother Marvin Gaye. Uh, but also stuff from Brazil, like Bossa Nova and, and, uh, and Samba was the main influence because it, some kind of reason it went into Israeli popular mainstream and stuff was done like you could say soft pop or soft rock but right. very very melodic and very nice harmonies and that also influenced you in a definitely lot of definitely yeah I was playing clarinet uh, since then. I was singing first then I was uh, singing just with the things I heard you know trying mm-hmm. to mimic those hits that I'm telling you about that right. I heard then I played clarinet was my first instrument I played in an orchestra uh, since I was seven or eight I think uh, so I was kind of introduced to uh, to classical music, to knowing how to play in a large configuration, also some klezmer and some jazz because of the nature of the instrument. And But as I sang and, you know, 
young people, early days of elementary and high school, people want to play, pick up a guitar and sing songs, you go on a trip, and I already sang, so I wanted to accompany myself. There were a few close friends who played, so I picked up the guitar, and pretty much one thing led to another, and very quickly I started playing, uh, playing well. It happened pretty naturally. How much do you think the, the classical training that you had with your clarinet influenced mm-hmm. that? Uh, I think it was mostly the knowledge of music, the being very familiar with music in general, not just the classical. Even with the classical training, I think my teacher and the professor and the, the conductor, they knew that I was kind of half fake in my reading. Uh, I was um, thankful or not thankful for a very good ear. So they played it once and I got it. Yeah. So I didn't have to read very well or twice but I got the feeling of it so you know the feeling of the music is what always spoke to me more than the actual uh, how should I say the technical aspect yeah the technical aspect I actually was not interested at all and only later as a guitarist when I got into again into familiarize myself more with uh, with jazz I got into West Montgomery uh, deeply and uh, and Parker and Errol Garner and Oscar Peterson and Nat King Cole. Then I understood that uh, the technical aspect, as far as certain amount of speed, can actually help you. Not so you can play fast, but it will actually make you play slow even better if you know. Mm. It just you get a you get a better vocabulary to choose your own sentences. That seems like a very mature concept. When would you have figured that out? I played clubs. Uh, I came to Chicago. So I first was playing, as I told you, in Israel. And I formed a band, joined the band when I was 13 or 14. That's when tell, I picked tell me up about that scene. What was that scene like? It was not a scene because I was a, it was a small little village, you know. So there were kids oh, so in high school. this is in your place? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we just, uh, you know, just to go to the city, we had to like, cross a field and take a bus to the city, an hour bus to the city, another bus in the city. It's not, it wasn't really, you know, but there was a little chicken shack behind the dr- my friend the drummer's house, and we made it into a rehearsal space that was very nice with a turntable and a, a CD player, and we would we put a carpet there and his drums, and I left an amp there, and we would get together there weekly and, and play, you know, and play... I don't know, stuff by Eric Clapton or certain things that I told you were influenced by more popular local music, influenced by the Beatles, by uh, Joan Gilberto, some Brazilian influences, uh, Queen, Dire Straits, what was kind of known then, you know? Uh, Um, How much exposure would you have had to live performances? Not much at all. It was basically like if a concert would show on television, on national television, on the one channel that I told you. And we caught it, we were like in awe. You know, if like Clapton, somebody got a handle at Clapton VHS, we looked at it like it was like, wow, look at this. Can you tell me what you might have learned from watching those VHS tapes? Well, a lot, you know, because again, I think uh, well, being able to get music was not as uh, easy as it was here in the States. Mm-hmm. I remember coming here later and knowing that I could just walk to a record store and there was a wider variety of stuff I can get on the st- spot than I ever could in my whole life. Right. In any record store, you know, down the street here, or in Memphis where I started. So, like, all of a sudden, I actually saw somebody play and how he put his hands on a guitar, which was like, I only knew it from my friend or what made sense to me. Right. So, it kind of 
you got, oh, so this is how it's done. Well, that's cool. It's kind of like how I did it, or I did it different, but this worked and this works. Anything that comes to mind that changed the way you might have played Developed. the guitar? By no, because I was shown a little bit before. Like before I started playing with the pick, I was shown by a friend to kind of arpeggio with my hands. And there were players, very accomplished player in Israel, that would, let's say on Friday night show television, you would see him play. Right. So I kind of, you know... But it wasn't like seeing him face to face. I did not have that till a very late teens, probably. It was the first time I could, I could see somebody professional play on the stage. Did music come easy to you? Did playing come easy to you? Very, yeah. very natural. Yeah, like reading a book or riding a bike. Very natural. Is like that weapon. just because of the musical background and, and whatever background they had with the classical training? Or do you think it's something else? I don't know. It's not for me to say too much. I could say that, uh, you know, we all get a certain amount of uh, gifts, blessings, things that come easier to us. Uh, I think this was one of the things that came very natural to me. It made sense since, I mean, since I remember myself. Wow. It made a lot of sense to do things this way, to hear certain nuances. It's something that I, you know. Yeah, I've heard other musicians talk about that. Just, you know, they picked up the guitar and it just... Everything made sense. Yeah, music in general. It's like a, it's a language I understood very young. I was very comfortable around it. So at what point did you think, I want to do this for a living? Never. I never <laughs> thought that. It just happened. I really didn't, well, I want to be this. I want to do this for a living. I just wanted to be the best at what I do. I knew that I do it well, and I wanted to perform it. I wanted to lead the band, and I had ideas for arrangements and for certain sounds that needed to come together. That's all I thought about. I did not think I should tell the truth till today. I'm like, is this really the way to make a living? And you know, everybody knows that musicians sometimes could be great as far as the, the everyday, the real life aspect of making right. a living to survive. And sometimes less. It's a very independent market and it's getting more like it by the day. Uh, the nature business of being a musician. So I never thought I'm going to make my living as a musician. My parents uh, loved us all and naturally, they gave us a lot of, they nurtured us and supported us and gave us a lot of love. So we're not rich, but we did not lack for support or love for our parents. Mm -hmm. So that gave us a lot of uh, confidence in doing what we were good at. Did uh, anybody else in your family pursue music? No, they were wiser. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, they were, you know, my, my mother used to tell me all the time, my father said, you are good at, I was good at school. I'm like, you're great at school. Why don't you be a lawyer, a doctor, something you know you can rely on because it comes good to you and play. They, they wanted me to play, but keep it on the side. You never know what can happen. But I kind of thought that I should dedicate it more and consume myself with the music. At what point did you totally consume yourself with it music? It was in teenage days already. It was still high school days, maybe even before it just started. I played a lot of sports, pretty much every sport possible too. And... Uh, Slowly and surely, I noticed that I dedicate less time to the sport. I was still active, played mm -hmm. with friends, played school all the time, but for the professional teams, I would play less and start playing more and rehearse more and write a song more and try to be a better guitarist more. And so it thinks, again, it happened naturally. I did not plan. Thanks. So, and you writing songs came early? Yeah, uh, again, I think I wrote before I was an accomplished guitarist, to be honest about it. I had things and some chords and stuff, and I kind of made sense to me, this song or this song, and 
I looked at music as like a, a sum of all things. And then actually because of blues and more and Clapton, they turned me on to Freddie King and B.B. King and then Albert King. I always, and Robert Johnson, then I got to the technical aspect of really, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a serious guitarist here because I'm starting to feel that. But before that, I think I was more of a musician, a singer. I was known in the school as singing right. a lot before I was, uh, I played uh, good guitar. So. And, and then the singing that you were doing, is that more classical singing? Was it more uh, folk music from Israel? Or what kind of singing were you mainly? Pop, rock. Okay. Rock, not hard rock. Pop, uh, I would say melody with the beat-based uh, some easy listening in a good kind of way, you know. Right. The same influences I mentioned before. So the uh, the one thing that's not really clear to me is, and I'm not, and that's always bad to put labels, but um, I get the feeling that maybe you might be m- maybe more of a jazz musician than a blues musician. Or how do what, how do you? Consider I don't think so. Uh, I don't think I'm a blues musician. I don't think I'm a jazz musician, and I kind of seem to not like the musicians who are known as one or the other. Right, okay. I seem to not enjoy the music as much. Okay. Personally. Uh, what do you call uh, Stevie Wonder? Is he a jazz musician? No. I'm asking. Is yeah. he a blues musician? No. But he touches both, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm trying to... I okay. named one. I can name a lot more that I really, really like. Right, right. Uh, Nat King Cole... He was playing popular music and singing pop music at the time. Now, years later, he's known as a jazz pianist. Right. But I, w- I wonder... It's a tricky situation if yeah. you think about it. And I, I, and I get it. Like, I get it. Now, based on the influences that mm-hmm. you've talked about, it's all over the map. And that's... And in reality, I think most musicians are like that. Yeah. Um, very few are just one type. Um, but, you know, not knowing you, yeah. and when I do research... You know, if I do a Google search on you, it says jazz musician. I think it's a, actually this particular case, I think it's a mistake of the person that put the post up on Wikipedia. I think it's actually a mistaken misconcept because there's some mistakes about it online that yeah. I should probably attend I've, I've with the regulator. Really? Well, no, because, you know, I, I have to rely on. On yeah. the internet for research. So I should change that because I don't see, see my, I don't think it's correct, you know. But if it was a blues musician, I don't think it was co- correct either. <laughs> but I will tell you that I probably was more known here in the States playing blues. Right. And in recent years where I kind of broke the barriers and just played good music, I think people got, oh, so he's playing jazz now. No, I'm not, you know. Yeah. I can't say... Let's say, I look at it as a vocabulary. Can you go your whole life saying yes and no and maybe? You're going to add more words. This is all it is. It's nothing more than that. Yeah, you know? but, but it, is, it is what we do is label people, right? And they put people in categories and all that. Well, I think that uh, music, since that started happening more, music suffered and the level of music in general is a lot lower than it was in the days that it was labeled less. Right. But turning that around... Yeah. Do you find, um, whether there is a label or not, does mm-hmm. that work for you or against you? I don't, I don't see it as well. You, I could see that it worked against me in a, certain, in a, in a smaller market. Mm-hmm. In the smaller market, it works against you. If you have your eyes on a big pro- I shouldn't say price because I'm not talking finance, finances. I'm talking about the truth. Mm-hmm. The one, if you look at the, the truth and what you want to accomplish, in my case, what I want to do with music and the music that I would like to play, and sing and bring to the people, 
I don't think it'll work against me. Okay, so as a young kid who's now becoming obsessed about music and the guitar, mm-hmm. um, what did you hope to accomplish? What, did you have goals back then to say, gee, by playing the guitar and dedicating my life to this, I want to do this? I just wanted to play great. I heard certain things, I'm like, whoa, I want to do that. And I tried to try to play as good, play the same or as good, and then I figured out certain things. It wasn't like, I want to do that. It was like, I want to play this great. I want to do it as good as what I hear on the record, or better, if I can. Right. That's what I wanted. It was that simple. I think a lot of musicians, it's like this, you know? And then let's say I see, uh, I don't know, a show, 24 24 nights, Eric Clapton at the Royal Albert Hall. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I want to play at that place. I wanted to perform there. Right. You have low, you know, people you look up to, and then, I don't know, I got into B.B. King, and he played a certain stage, or Albert King, and I wanted to play that stage, or I wanted to play with that specific sound and reach that height that moved me so much. It was like that, you know, and I think it's, it's that simple. You know? Okay, so you're growing up, you're in a little town. Are you still living mm-hmm. in the little town as you... As I'm starting to play and be yeah. familiar with more blue stuff, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And then you come to the States at one point, do you know? I came when I was 16. I was a member of a small group from Israel who came on tour here for three, four months during the summer, performing it a lot. It was like, I don't know, a lot of shows, like 100 shows in three and a half months. And this is the big band or this is vocals? This, I, it was vocals. It was five... Uh, male vocalists and five female vocalists that were chosen from all of Israel to represent Israel and come sing here in the States. So tell me about that experience. And was that the first time out of Israel or was that the first no, time it, in North America? No, my parents took me. It was the first time in America. Yeah, I was in Europe before. Tell me the impressions you got as a kid. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. It was like everything, all the liner notes I read about you know, I came to Memphis the first time. I read liner notes about Albert King and B.B. King. That I want... <laughs> One of the reasons I wanted to take that trip is not is to be able to to step grounds in the the musical uh, no place that I thought was known to me, but only through reading about it. Right. You know, most of the musicians that I looked up to so much were from here, right. from 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 the states. So coming here all of a sudden was unbelievable. You know, going to places, seeing people play in the street. I told, we talked about how difficult for me it was to view people, even to see people play live. Mm-hmm. Here, it was a matter of like uh, everywhere. You know, the cities like you, you get 10, 15, 20 bands play every night. Mm-hmm. It was unheard of for me, you know. So it was, and it was huge. I remember I'm like, wow, the roads are huge, the trucks are enormous. What is this place? <laughs> I came from a very small village <laughs> in a very tiny country. Don't right. forget that. So. Yeah. And did you know at that point that you would come back? I did. Did, did it make before, that kind of impression? Yeah. Even before I actually came the first time, I knew I would come. Yeah. And then whatever image you might have had about the South, the blues, jazz, or whatever, America, mm-hmm. did it live up to that? Was no. It, no? Certain things were better. Certain things were not as, as amazing as I imagined. But in the overall... It was better because it was real. And before that, it was just an imagination. So you can make up a lot of things. If they're not real, what's the really, you know? Right. So, so it was good. In the, but uh, look, again, I could get my hands on Nat King Cole listening to. I can hear uh, 
B.B. King and Alba King. It took me a month to get an album. I would have to go to the city, ask for it, come back again a month later, you know, to try mm-hmm. to... Ray Charles, Louis Armstrong. I thought that's the caliber of everything in the United States. Mm. You know? Uh, I'm, ta- I'm not talking like, see this. I do think there is a level of things, a quality level. Now, is there somebody maybe not as not as good, but he has his own style and it's kind of cool? Of course there is. But I thought that everybody played like Ray Charles, that you can't have to play like the old BB King. If not, you can't play. Do you, I thought if you're not executing like the Eric Clapton band as far as tightness and level of sound, you should not do it. You understand? That's, yeah, yeah. It was, again, what would I know? Mm-hmm. That's, I'm coming from a little village, so that's what I hear. I tune my ears to try to do this. Or if my, even before that, if the orchestra conductor gave me a piece and, you know, I need to do it at that level because if not, what's the point of doing I did not know that there were levels that you can't be as good and still make it, let's say. Right. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an option for me. Did you, did you feel like you were reaching that level? When? Back home while you were learning. I was starting. And I also felt that I um, have a certain feel to the music that people related to. Like I would play a note and people would turn around. I'm starting to understand that there's a feel. That the feel that I heard certain people play, that I started having preferences for people. And some other known players, people were like, wow, he's great. And I'm like, I didn't think so. Because the feel was not right. deep enough, was not subtle enough for me. And I started understanding that I have a certain feel that's mine how did you uh, how did you um how do I ask this you obviously played in a band mm-hmm. you played with other people how yeah. did you communicate the, the need to reach that level like was it easy to communicate to the rest of your band members that you wanted to be here were, were they with you did yeah, they understand they that knew. concept yeah they knew they knew and they were in the same boat they wanted to be the best we talked about it how the music moved us it's different, you know, when you grow up with people, things come naturally. Right. You know, you don't have to, then when you're older and you put a band together, you have to start explaining and what you're going for. We were raised together. You know, we would share the love we had for that particular song. Say, wow, look at this, look at the drums, how they do this, look at... It was our everyday conversation. But I, I don't know if it's easy to bring everybody to the same level. Uh, I think if you're passionate enough and you have no other way in your mind, it just happens naturally. So you felt that the band that you were playing with back then... I felt like we are going somewhere. Okay. I didn't feel like, oh, we are the best. I said, but you could tell the growth, and it was on the daily, on a weekly level, you know. And that's and I, how you can. I wonder what that meant. So you were going somewhere. What did you hope that somewhere would be, or where would you? I told you, play at Carnic, play at the Royal Albert Hall, be do tours, have my music played, record maybe one day. You know. Right, and then um, you had to serve in the army. I did. I came which back is, from the States. I finished high school in Israel, and then I drafted. Which is part of being a citizen. Yeah, if you're there, you mostly, unless you try to get out, you do three years mandatory as a, as a male. As what a did that experience teach you? Ay, things take time, and you don't do everything when you want to, sadly. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to put my what I wanted to do on hold for three years. Could you still play music? Not and on a daily basis you know weekends every now and then 
Right. I would get off, and hopefully the other, my other bandmates and good friends were off too, and we'd get together and like either book a little show in a kibbutz or a little small pub or just get together at the little rehearsal room and, and play for fun, you know? And then soon after you got out of the army, mm-hmm. you came to the States. I took my guitar suitcase and I started my... So this was always the plan. At what point did you I, think... I doubted myself for a minute, you know? You don't do it for a while. Right? Right. You get in the grind of every day and I was uh, in the army wearing uniform. And it's, you're not very... Uh, I didn't feel very creative, probably, you know. So I was like, I don't know if I should do it. I said, and then I thought, you know, it was so strong before. I should give it a chance. I should not just like. So I kind of went on the desire that I had before. I remember how strong it was. I'm like, I owe it to myself. And, and, and I jumped. Memphis was the first part. Yeah, I stopped in Europe, and my sister lives in France. So I stopped and spent some time with her and my brother-in-law. Just a couple of weeks to kind of lose my mind from the army. And was was the army a difficult experience? Other than not being able to play, but just to to serve in the army, because I can't imagine what that would be like. It's uh, there. It's normal, so I can't yeah. say. People say, "Oh my God, you did this." It's not "Oh my God." If that's all you know, then it's okay. You know, it depends on what you do. It depends on your role. It depends on how you take it. You know, we had people are different. So uh, right. it, overall, I was very fortunate to meet very good people. Uh, and it was, it was what it was. You know? So you decide you move to the States, you go to Memphis, New Orleans, and eventually wind up in Chicago. Tell me about those stops and what they taught you. Um, it uh, started in Memphis, which... You know, some of my biggest influences musically were from there, so it was pretty uh, breathtaking, mm-hmm. you know. I sat on the river for a minute and took my guitar out and, and played, and I have to tell you that I advanced a lot in a day just by feeling like I'm focusing in, you know. And then I thought, wow, it was like the place, and I felt like an inspiration. I really think it's a focus thing for all of us. You know, you feel inspired by something, and then you kind of zone in yourself as a person, and focus in, and all of a sudden you have revel- you have revelations. So I think focus level throughout the years showed me that I can learn a lot, not necessarily by practicing a lot, or by doing it a lot. It's a certain level of focus. Of course, if you practice a lot, it helps, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of you call as a musician, you say your chops, your abilities are always up. So when you have the revelation. You can respond to it. I'm snapping my finger, sorry. I can respond to it very quickly because technically you are able to do what you think, you know. But I don't think it's that. I think it's the focus level all of a sudden amplified. And the technical aspect of practicing should be just to keep your fingers or your in tune with your heart and your mind. Then you go to New Orleans. Yeah, I stayed in Memphis for a while. I It was small, and I was in the Army for three years feeling kind of confined. So I didn't feel like staying in Memphis. I wanted to to see more of right. the world, of the States. Uh, in this, You know, in the Army, I didn't have a chance to uh, be taught, be mentored, also lead a group. So it does help you in a lot of other ways as far as... Mm-hmm. Reality, being in tough situations and keeping calm, taking care of what you need to take care of, uh, you know, 
take care of other people. So there are elements that, that are important for us as, as, as people, you know. But again, I think it's, in every, it's not just because it's the army in general. I think it's when you work in, in a group with other people. Sometimes you're in situations when you need to step up. Right. Then I, uh, I learned in Memphis there was a trumpet player that plays in the street. I think he passed away. He was playing there a lot, and I used to sit in front of him and kind of listen to him and walk around. And I was able to see, uh, there was a record store there on Beale Street that has such a huge variety of music that, again, I could not even dream about something yeah. like this before. Memphis music. So I, rem- yeah, I remember getting my first T-bone, no, T-bone I got before. I got another T-bone, I got it in Israel, I waited for that. But I got, uh, I got ice picking, Albert Collins ice picking then. And I got uh, Gatemouth Brown, Okie Dokie Stump then. And I think I did get a very important collection of T-bone that... Uh, helped me a lot and taught me a lot. And I stepped my game up as a player a lot in that short period of time in Memphis. And I Were you playing Mons. around much? I did not. I only played the night after, the, my last night there. I was very shy at the time. And I was more concentrated on, I wanted to see what other people did. You know, I came from a small place to the city now mm-hmm. to see what they do, you know, finally. So I listened. Just I didn't try to show my skill. I was good. I, I thought that I was good already, but I thought that I should learn and and absorb. So I didn't try to show off a showboat. And what did you see? When what did you think? I uh, this is things I need to learn. Like um, if you're a shy person and you see somebody who's very flamboyant on stage, it wasn't me. It wasn't. It wasn't what I thought. As you know. Uh, Club scene is very different than concert scene. Mm-hmm. And those large acts that we talked about, they often didn't have to entertain at that level, get a rowdy club at a club going. It's, it's a different type of... I know it now from playing clubs for many years and yeah. then also playing theaters and larger stages, especially recently. It's, you don't have to do all the things that you do at a club. It's not... Uh, I thought, I'm like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought. This is very different, you know. Some of the music... The same old song, the kind of having to cater to the public. It's not what moved me about music, I have to be <laughs> honest with you. But I also saw some very cool things. I'm like, wow, the energy, it's like alive. It's not like just a dead record. So I kind of saw the good things that I, not the good, the things that fit, fit me more and the things that maybe fit me less. Right. But uh, I learned both and kind of was able to set my own marks, you know. Knowing what you knew of yourself, and also coming from a place where you hadn't played as much in three years, mm-hmm. so I guess you're trying to rebuild your confidence, kind of, and I'm not yes. sure how you felt about your ability, but did you feel what you knew was on par with what you were seeing? What you, did, how did you rate yourself against what you would I thought that as a player, definitely. F- flat out, just as a guitarist, yes. I thought even as a singer, I thought that I... I wasn't the showman that they right. were putting on at the club, but it wasn't really what I was after, to be honest about it. But I was like, I could play. I felt that I could get my guitar out, but I thought that I should not yet. Except for the last night. Yes, then I was really invited. Somebody knew me, and he took me in an old Lincoln car to a place called Wild Bills in Memphis, and they're like, put your guitar out and play. <laughs> and I did, and I did an Albert King song, and people went crazy. I was offered the, the weekly gig. I was offered to lead the band. 
And I think the bass player used to be Albert King's bass player. So I couldn't believe it was the first encounter of that sort that I had. And then like the club owner came and offered me the gig. I said that I'm leaving the next day. And it was actually something very small because it was a very small club. But to me, it was big. Because mm-hmm. I was by myself and I felt very lonely. I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue, if I should do something else. And that little something was like, put that spark in my eyes again. I knew I was as good, good enough. Was there ever a chance of bringing the band members that you... They start? came, after I came to Chicago, they came to visit and thought about it for a minute. But it's a different type of life. Yeah, the yeah. mentality is different and they did not... Uh, it wasn't for them, I felt. And I was so zoned in into like just playing. I even put my vocals aside for a minute. I was really in the guitar mode, you know. Starting getting stuff here and more B.B. King, a lot more Albert King, Albert Collins, T-Bone Walker, Robert Johnson, I really, Freddie King, some Otis Ross. So I was like, the guitar started speaking to me a lot more, and I blocked everything else, you know. So Went to New Orleans, spent not too long there. What did that few weeks. experience give you? Why a New lot Orleans? more street-wise. I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> a lot more street things I saw firsthand, weird stuff, some stuff funny, some stuff dangerous, different situations I was in, different scent, different smells, different vibe, different beat. It influenced me. Of course it did. You know, you don't have to spend uh, 50 years at a place to get the, the scent of it if you're connected with what's going on with you. You know, so right. I thought about staying out, but I also had already planned to come up. I think I had a train ticket to come up to Chicago from there. So I decided that it was a little too wild for me at the time. For me to stay it would not be a good idea to keep me with what I really wanted for myself. So I came up here. What did you think Chicago would offer you at that point? I wasn't sure, but there was a family here that, uh, not my a fam- family member of mine, my uncle, said that they were looking for some help and I had a place to stay. And after a while, just kind of not knowing what you're going to do with yourself, I figured that it was nice for me to have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. That really was the reason I came. I was not that aware with Chicago. Even though I was here when I was 16, we were just passing through for a few shows. You know? So I did not know, but uh, I came. You know, I took a chance and figured if it's, we'll see what happens. I can always, I remember then actually talk, thinking about heading west to California. But I stayed. A couple of weeks later, I was offered a gig. I sat in and, and started very quickly. I was offered to play, and people liked what I did. So things happened. Had I known back then that the winter would be that cold, I probably would have left before the winter came, my friend. But, uh, was the first winter tough? Terrible. They are, for me, still. still. People don't believe still. I'm like, what are you doing here? How would many years has it been? 20, wow. 19. Um, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I come from Toronto. I don't think the winter is as bad as Chicago, but winters are tough. I don't, it's not, it's, uh, I do not enjoy any aspect. Maybe one day. Well, the maybe, goal is to maybe spend the summers here in winter hopefully somewhere Hopefully that can happen. Yeah. I did that for a few years. I, we talked, I was, I took a while and uh, was traveling South America a lot, California, right. even spent a little time in Israel and would come here in the summer for a series of shows. Right. And I kind of, it helped me. Actually, I felt like it improved me a lot because the unnecessary grind I put aside and cre- it, it filled itself with different creativity that actually helped me write and advance as a player and a singer, I felt. Mm-hmm. So, but I can say that after playing 18 or 15 years at the clubs at a rate of 200, 300 dates a year, 
certain people are good at that and they don't feel a I don't feel the grind on them as I'm like wow I thought my strength is other things you know but uh, you know I don't know that's how, how you feel how you view yourself right did you were you accepted very easily by the Chicago music scene I felt so it was very different than they now uh, it was an older scene a lot of the old uh, it's a second generation not the BB you know maybe the Willie Kent Right. Magic Slim. They were around and kicking hard. Those were the acts here. Otis Rush was shooting pool at a cl- or clubs here. I, we were shooting pool, just playing billiards one night. And uh, yeah, I was accepted. Uh, what did that feel like? It felt good. It was like, whoa, I guess I'm at the right place. I'm doing something good if those people want me to play with them and want to see me play and they think that I'm good. You know, it's again, it's the boosters that you need sometimes to keep going because it's the street life school. It's the street school. It's not like I'm passing a test here and I know I'm good and I got a degree. Mm-hmm. If you're good, you're getting calls. It was different then. Now, I'll be honest. Now, I mean, not now, now. The last 10 years. I think it changed a lot. I think you don't have to be as good. I think you could talk a good game and work a certain social media aspect and know the right people and get in a click. Right. I didn't feel like Danny was as much of a clicky. You really have to come with it or you're going to get embarrassed. Do you think that's just the standards that the previous generation had? That maybe yeah. with those people passing, then yes. the standards have changed a little bit? Yes, and I think a lot of who is... It sound, it's funny, I'm feeling old saying that. But I think a lot of the... Even somebody my age, I think some of them did not go through that. So they don't know really what it was to like. Uh, you had to come with it on a nightly basis, mm-hmm. or you will be embarrassed sometimes. You know, there was no. Uh, and I think that twenty years before that, it was even more. And I think the twenty years before that, it was even more. You could hide less behind uh, trying to impress a public. You could work in a, in a small club of twenty people. It's not going to carry you past that. I think now it does because the photo looks good on Instagram. Or mm-hmm. you can make a headshot or people get turned on by a... You know, the attention span is a lot shorter. Yeah. So you can get... It's cool to sound good for 10 seconds. All of us can sound good for 10 seconds. You know? Can you sound good for a minute? What about three? What about an hour show? Mm-hmm. But so... You never really said, I'm going to be a musician. This is just the thing Still, that you did, right? I thought that, I di- but I didn't. That's what I was. I didn't think, you know, it's not like, I don't know. Maybe I should have. You would think I was a responsible kid, good at school. <laughs> maybe I should have had a plan. But to me, it was very natural. Right. It's like I'm getting up in the morning. I'm going to drink. I'm make my, I make a coffee. I'm going to make my breakfast. And I'm going to go play because that's what I do. And I need to listen to this because... I have this melody in my head. Or I have, there was no, I didn't plan it. It just, that's why I'm telling It was as natural as I need to eat. I'm going right. to fix a meal. This is the next thing I need to do. Yeah. So you come to the Chicago scene and you accept that you start playing with people mm-hmm. and you become a regular. You, you play yeah. with Willie Kent. For, yeah, I was a member of his band. And, and uh, band leader, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. So musical director. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that feel like? Also now, now this kid from a little town in Israel is now in the Chicago scene. It was weird. I remember the first time people looked at me 
I remember walking in when he actually brought me to, I played with other people before here and started making my name and people started, there was a little buzz, and, but when he brought me in, I remember coming to the club and I said, hello, I'm, I'm Guy King, I'm here. I said, you're Guy King? And they expected somebody <laughs> six, five, the way Willie talked about me, man, he's going to play you, you're not going to believe what you're going to hear. They expected somebody like huge six, five with a pipe in his mouth or something. <laughs> and I was like, just starting growing my hair, short curly hair with a little hat tilted to the side because I was shy. Uh, I'm like, what? But then I played and they were like, whoa, okay, we understand now. But it was weird. I remember they looked at me like, what, you? You are who we talked about? And uh, Tell me about the shyness. You've brought it up a couple of times. Tell me about, is that? I felt, I, I was not shy if you knew me, but right. I'm from a smaller town. So we knew everybody in the town. And the school, when it got broader in high school, it took a minute, and then you knew everybody. So, yes, I was a performer. I was good at sports. I was good at school. But I was always a little on the quiet side. I like to observe and see. Right. You know? So, and here people were louder. It's city, and it's just everything is louder and bigger here. But did that ever get in the way? Your shyness? No, maybe. Maybe a, a few opportunities that if I had yelled out, I would have gotten more, but... You need to be comfortable with who you are. Mm-hmm. You know? So maybe with time I refined and stepped up to the plate more, but still in my particular way. You know? Probably would not sh- shout to get the attention. What did you learn from that experience with Willie Kent? A lot. Uh, very early on, also my parents, uh, actually before I joined the band, when I knew Willie, my father took sick. I lost both my parents to cancer at an early age those days. So I went back to Israel and spent months there taking care of them, and it did not work out very well, and I lost them. So I came back almost with a desperate kind of way, like I didn't feel like I had the back or the love anymore because you know we were very, I was very close to my parents. The fam, we as a family are very close. So was that was that difficult in leaving them? Very. Like it before. wasn't like no because I felt, again no I smiled it was the, I missed them yeah. but I knew that I needed to do that but knowing that they were not there again to call me because my mother called me every day I heard every day and it was the days then we actually paid a lot of money for a phone yeah, call yeah. it was a big feeling of um, a big sadness and despair that that you know it took years for me to. To accept, right? To be less mad and to kind of remember the good times and just miss them. It took a long time. I'm very glad that I didn't fall to st- stupid bad habits uh, that a lot of people fall to in times of grief. Actually, it made me focus more. I got maybe meaner and colder, but uh, for a while. But I did not do any stupid things. I'm very glad about that. Did it? Affect your music? I mean, I I'm know sure. it's the cliche of playing the blues and everything, but to lose both your parents in a short period of time would have been really difficult. I'm this sure. I'm sure it did. Uh, actually, I have to tell you, you play the blues better. I'm a big fan of what B.B. King played. You, you could be the happiest you can and play the best. Mm-hmm. You don't. It's. I used to think as a before I really, before I really played him, I used to think, oh, you have to go. Oh, she treated me bad, and now you know. Now I'm gonna play. It's the worst. It's the the most wrong 
think that you can think. And I think a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with it. We all go through adversities. We all have situations. It's just life. Yeah. You know, you can write and play a wonderful note or a wonderful thing because of a wonderful experience. So, you know, blues is just life. Like any ethnic music, any folk music, it's a story of life. It's a story that you tell. You know, so I don't, I do not think that it affect my music. Yes, because it affected me as a person. So I'm sure it came out mm-hmm. in the music. Uh, it still does. The way they treated me, my parents, when they were alive. You know, the love they gave me. I have they were the most beautiful people I ever seen till till today. You know, mm-hmm. so losing them, yeah, I'm sure. There's no doubt that it affected my music. I, I always remember when I interviewed BB King and him telling me that the music has to have a positive message. At the end, you know, yes, like it sounds very dark if there's no... Yeah, like like, beyond anything else, it has to be positive. And it's, at that point, it seemed kind of ironic to me that he would say that, but it made total sense yeah. to me. Look, there are times where it won't, but at the bottom line, it needs to be... I agree mm-hmm. with that. It's not always going to be positive because life is not always positive. No. Because they're going to be... And then the music, I think it's part of the tension release, the natural way of the light and the dark, the tension they release, the yes and the no. There's going to be some of that. There are sad songs, too, and they are wonderful. But if it only stayed like that and there will be no release, no, it will be undo, unbearable. Mm-hmm. You know. So. so I was asking you about Willie Kent and that experience and mm-hmm. what you learned from that. It was great. I, all of a sudden, you know, I joined the band, and now I have four straight nights of playing four hours live straight. My fingers were almost bleeding at the end of the second night. No release, just had to step with it and play, you know, and it was great. I mean, remember the first night people, I uh, was playing a solo and closed my eyes and people started throwing $100 bills at me and Willie in the band was like, whoa, that's going to be great having him in the band. <laughs> you know, like I didn't understand what happened. <laughs> Wait, this is happening. But, but it was great, you know, and again, I stepped into situations like I was so, so you have an amp, whoever, I'm like, yeah, of course, I did not have an amp. But I said I did because I knew that I had a few hundred dollars, I'm going to go buy an amp, so I did that. You have a car? Yeah, of course. I went and got an old car that died on me five <laughs> times a week. But you have to, if you believe in yourself, it's not lying. I knew that I had it by the time. I had to I had to do what I needed to do, you know, to try to make it. And with Willie, I played live a lot. Started feeling more comfortable entertaining people, not just playing well. It was a different set of skills that I was obtaining. Uh, it was great. We traveled, uh, not too much in the States, more in and outs, like hit and runs, a weekend in Mississippi, a weekend in uh, Minnesota. It wasn't, we didn't stay on the road at the States, but we played 250, 300 shows a year. It was a lot. We played a lot in Chicago. Right. And internationally, we did Europe tours, Japan. We traveled, you know, so. And would this have been your first experience of really traveling in a band? It, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did that experience teach you? A lot. Some good, some bad. Some things you want to learn from. Some things you know that you should not do it like that. You know, Same thing on every night. Willie always says, two things you can learn from somebody. What to do, what not to do. Mm-hmm. So it was good. The band got along. I kept pursuing perfection. Willie saw that. I think that's why he said, man, you could take care of it. And I kind of stepped up to the plate. First six months, I didn't say nothing. I observed and played the best that I could. Then I saw things. This was not good enough. We need to do this. Oh, but I said, no. That's how it needs to be done. I started being vocal. 
not because I tried, because I heard my concept, I had a concept of music and since I started, I told you, I heard <laughs> things a certain way. So I wanted them to be that way or better, not worse, you know. And I enjoyed hearing Willie live. I think he was a great singer that really never got his due as a singer, uh, as a vocalist. Very ca charismatic voice, very special tone in the voice, very strong. The last ones of that era, I think, that is not really acknowledged at that, only by people that really saw him at the club, but not by the scene, right. as you call it, not by the, the click. How much were you working on your singing at this point? I wasn't, but since the first night, Willie had me play, sing two or three shows every, every night, two or three songs, and he would back off and play bass for me. But I was so consumed with the guitar that I was like, I just sing good. Then, I don't know why. I really don't know why, because I actually sang better as a younger teenager. The guitar really consumed me, right. you know. And then he took sick Willie uh, years later and... I had to step in, we got a bass player, and Willie would just be featured as a vocalist, special guest with, that, with his own band right. when he felt good, you know. So the shows became me, more me with the female vocalist, featured one at the, the scene. And I had to step up my singing because now, you know, and I had to entertain and cater to the people a lot more. And it started coming naturally, and there was a line of people out the door to see the band, Wilkins' band, even when he was only doing three songs, you know. I stepped up to the plate. He was very proud of me, I remember. And again, it was naturally. I was worried. I'm like, I don't know if I can. He said, just do it. You did it when you first joined. Mm -hmm. And it, it came, and I started feeling comfortable, you know, and more comfortable, and I learned. So what the people liked, got more in tune with the audience that were in front of me. A big learning experience. Mm -hmm. And then he passed away. Yeah, and I stopped playing for a few months. Uh, out. I did not want to lead the gents. It was Willie Ken and the gents. It was feeling wrong for me to be there when he's not there. It was his thing, and I had a different vision for my music. And it's also difficult, you know. Mm -hmm. The person you used to come in is not coming, and everything stayed the same. It's, it, was, it didn't feel right, you know. So I took some time off. I worked a regular job just to support myself and didn't feel like playing. But then it kind of got in. And during those months, I really started hearing. Uh, actually, since I came to Chicago, I really got into G Ray Charles a lot more. It reminded me of signs for, I told you, I heard him as a child. Mm -hmm. And, but I got into the music aspect of him, not just knowing the hits. You know? right. And I figured that some of the things we're doing were not really, they felt like the blues. Forget the name, the blues. Now, for me, the, the feeling was deep enough. That I should say it, because to me, some things that it's catered to as blues doesn't really speak, do not really speak to me the way I would like them to. So, but Ray did, right. you know, and I taught myself certain things. I'm like, hey, let's do that, and this does that, and the horns do that, and reading the line of notes and realizing that it was the Count Basie band, getting back to the stuff that I played as a child. So I started getting into Basie and Duke Ellington more which led me to the smaller configurations. Hearing Ray talk about Errol Garner, the pianist, Oscar Peterson, Nat Cole, I dove into that, just like with the blues. Through Clapton, B.B. King, Freddie King, Albert King, through them, Robert Johnson, T-Bone Walker, and going back and learning those good Albert Collins, those sounds, Lightning Hopkins. And I realized that the farther I went, I liked it better, and I felt like I could do my thing with it more. 
other than like, okay, I liked Stevie Ray Vaughan a lot when I was 15. Very quickly after I heard Albert King, I realized that this is the truth. Do I think that Stevie Ray Vaughan was not great? No, he was great. But it was him. It was so, yeah, yeah. there's no point for me to, it didn't speak to me. I heard Albert King, I'm like, whoa, this is the source. And every time I trace stuff back, I kind of like, first of all, you expand your own knowledge of the music that you're playing. And it helps. You have a big sense of, uh, you know, the roots. You have big roots. You know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. You're not guessing or trying. Now you can start guessing, improvising, and trying because you are so rooted and you, you know what's going on. You know where you come from musically. You can do pretty much everything, you know. When you traveled the world with Willie, did you, how did you feel about that? Was it like, were you part of the band? You were a big part of the band? Yeah, definitely. And, and they loved you, me. They were older. They were 60 some, I was 20. Right. Okay, so you know, I meant more the audience. Ah. How did they perceive you, <laughs> the, the Chicago band, with an Israeli guitar mm -hmm. player? Yeah, well, we should look. The band was African. With it. The guys in the band were all black. They were African American. I, I was more fair-skinned than most of the guys, I think, and I was 40 years younger. Right. So I'm sure it looked like I got looks. And, you know, when we traveled to certain places, there would be even people talking weird stuff, you know. Uh, I'm not from here. I'm from Israel originally, and I don't think I really passed even for being what you call in America white. It was a little bit different, and I used to wear my hair in cornrows at the time. I had braids in my hair. So... I was just a lot younger, and I think people looked at first like, whoa, what's that? <laughs> but then I played a song, and it was done, and it became like, whoa, this is great, and it was like a Did cool you feel that? Did you know immediately that when you passed the test? Yeah, I remember one night some lady, after a few drinks, it's amazing what people allow themselves to do also <laughs> at clubs. It's another thing I don't really appreciate, but uh, talked up about, uh, oh, yeah, but if you had a... You know, if you had a black guitar, he's too young to know the blues. And Willie stopped the show and really embarrassed her. Really embarrassed her to the point where she, like, I think packed up and left after a while. And he got a standing ovation. He said, you find me one better guitar player here that could do what he does, I'll hire him. Hmm. He said, but you should, he said, I know people like you. He said, I've been through a lot with people like you. that judge by looking at somebody. He said, if you close your eyes and close your mouth and listen to him, you realize that there's nobody better here, and this is why he's with me. Wow. How'd, you make, how'd that make so, you feel? I was kind of like, you know, choking up in uh, emotion, and I, I felt that he was speaking the truth. I was doing my job great, and I was a good person. And he also vouched for me as a person to her. I said, and the way he acts as a person is something that we should all learn from. I was very moved that he thought of me this way. But I try to be better every day, you know, mm -hmm. as a man, as a, and as a player. I always did. I still do today. So when Willie passed away and you decided that you would go out on your own, mm -hmm. you had a certain vision of yeah. what the music should be or who you should be. Mm -hmm. Was it easy to do that? Were you, were you, was it easy to get gigs? No. A lot of the people's promised me. See, I was known with Willie, and I always used to, they used to tell me, hey, man, do your thing, do your thing. You don't have to... We'll book you here, we'll book you here. I said, no, I'm playing for Willie Kent. See, it's, it was a different era. That's what you need to understand. And mm -hmm. I was kind of the loyal guy that felt like I will step out of this when, I'm, when I feel good. This is good for me. I'm really focusing in. And did you always know you would one day? No doubt. He knew it. 
I, I led bands and I sang before I even knew Hooligan. He right. knew it. That's why he would feature me since the first night with him. There was no doubt. Uh, so I stepped up after a few months. I dis- actually, during that time, got into playing more what people would call jazz, old pop, good music, stuff that moved me. I started mm-hmm. refamiliarizing myself with other types of, with more songs that I liked, you know? Right. And uh, I said I got into a lot of West Montgomery during that time as well. And it started burning, itching. Okay, I said, I need to play. You know, so I picked up the phone. Only two places from all the <laughs> dozens that said, yeah, of course. What's the, gave me a spot. I did well in the spot. The call me, I said, man, it's great. What are the dates you want now? Two weeks later, another venue. Now, now I'm playing. I said, yeah, I'm here and here. Oh, okay, so you want a night here? Soon enough in Chicago, I was... A bad month was 18 shows a month for me here, you know, about two, 240 dates a month that I would do because I played solo. I started playing solo guitar. Uh, first opportunity with that was uh, Brian Fadden, the old Buddy Guy's Legends, asked me to open a show for Buddy Guy playing solo. I said, you play solo, right? I'm like, yeah, of course. I didn't, but I took it. I knew Because I knew I'd do it well. And it was like after, he said, man, you were great. People loved you. I said, nah, that was great. Thank you so much for giving the opportunity. So, How do you approach things differently as a solo artist versus a band. They're all together different. You can't, you know, you don't try to make the song, see, I sometimes arrange for a larger band with my horn section or background vocalist. Now on the new album, people hear strings too for the first time with me. Uh, but you strip it down. You go to the source and certain things work. You could do the same song, but don't try to force it to be what it's not, mm-hmm. you know. There's room for solo playing, Again, I heard a lot of solo players, people who play, and if it's pianists or guitarists, and it's just you telling the story. It's more stripped. It's more spaced. You know, it will always have less beat than having a percussionist or a drummer. You need to enjoy it for what it is. So I try to enjoy it for what it is. Did that come easy to you? Uh, no, because I was really into the bending notes, swinging guitar type of things. Really. So I'm like, okay, I have to play it different. But there were a lot of soloists that I liked, so I kind of tuned in with that side of me inside and kind of taught myself certain things that work wow. to my ear. Mm-hmm. So it's just this evolving thing. Constantly. Every day. Like, really. The, the point is, after Willie died, I started my band, started getting more opportunities, traveled, did the Montreal Jazz Festival with my band, one of the first out-of-town experiences I had. I uh, traveled to Europe last few years. Brazil opened up for me in 2011. I did very well there. Raised my status to playing larger venues and selling out venues. And then the last few years after I recorded Truth for Delmark Records, I had three prior albums that I released independently on my own label and then recorded for Delmark in 2015. It was released in 2016. My album Truth was nominated for the Blues Music Awards that seemed to open more doors and have more people talk about me, which led to more European shows under my own name. When you travel around the world, are you introduced as a Chicago guitar player? Sometimes somebody's from Israel, and I said, you know, I don't know what you should say. I don't, I I don't live, the truth, I don't live in Israel. Yeah. So how far are you going to, you should, if I'm coming from here, you should say that I'm from here. Or just say, I have to tell you something. 
It's the local scene. Because, again, would you introduce Ray Charles from Los Angeles, California, Ray Charles? No. Would you say from uh, Tallahassee, Florida, Ray Charles? No. You're just going to say Ray Charles. That's my point exactly. There's no, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm very rooted where I was born and raised. I learned I love Israel for what it is. But for the last 20 years, I've not resided there. I try to visit as much as I can, you know. What does Israel do for you, for you as a player at this point in your life? There's a lot of things that I, there's a lot of memories. You know, it's a lot of memories. It's a lot of scents and spices and tastes and things that stay with you and make you talk and walk. Your rhythm is different, you know. My time in Brazil was very natural to me too because I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of similarities between Brazil and Israel as a hot climate country. Right. And those things, I won't say they shape you, but they help you get your own strut, your own comfort, your own, your own spice, your own rhythm. Do you have goals at this point in your career? Do you have things, the places you still want to play, festivals you want to go, Definitely. places you want to go? Definitely. First, I really think that uh, it has to do a lot with your personal life. I never did. I thought they were two separate things. But a few years ago, I met my wife, and now we have a baby daughter. And those things uh, made me play, sing, and think, and feel different. Mm-hmm. They brought... Uh, happiness and joy that I forgot I think or to that extent you know maybe since losing my parents right so my goals yes I have goals they remain the same they remain uh, getting my music to as many people as I can that I think that they will love it and being the best that's what I do being able to really transfer all the little subtleties that I feel and hear to the people who listen to me, uh, who listen to music, mm-hmm. and perform at certain stages that I mentioned a few when we spoke earlier. It's still, some of them I was able to get to, some not yet. Uh, and make great music, you know, really make deep, happy, sad, cover the spectrum of wonderful music that I imagine in my mind and in my heart. Final question. I, I know that you didn't have a plan. You, you kind of did, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't set, you know, five-year goals or whatever. No, I did not. Um, but it sounds like things kind of worked out. You were very patient. You you took the certain routes, like yeah. playing with Willie and, and learning from that, which probably helped you become the musician you are today. I think so. When you're going forward, how, how do you get better? How do you achieve these goals? Uh, I don't know if I'm doing everything right. Maybe the five-year plan is a good thing, the more business way of thinking. And, but I'm talking, let's keep it uh, more creative now for this particular interview. I feel like I'm better now than I was last year, significantly. Significantly. I feel that the album that I just recorded the music, I uh, listen to it, and it's, it's way better in every aspect. So I think you just live. You just live and try to do better every day, try to be aware 
you know, and zero in. We all have focus problems. Uh, I do as well, but I notice when I do focus, I try to make it count, and then I make a jump, and I get better all of a sudden by a lot. Um, I don't know. Maybe the five-year plan or the ten-year plan is a good uh, thing to do. Probably business-wise, it is a good thing. Um, I notice it works a lot for business people and for financial success. I don't think it actually works for the for <laughs> the art. Yeah, from what, for my looking from the outside, and it is not. Yeah, it's a little difficult. Actually, the patience and letting things breathe and having and realize something and this is what. This is really what living is, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that music is a natural extension of breathing, of living. So I'm just, I'm not just, I'm going to try to love what I do, enjoy what I do, and just cover the spectrum, you know, play for my heart and for my mind together, make this whole thing one experience. And then I think I'll be able to relate my message best as possible. Guy, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your, your life with me. Thank yeah, you. I don't know you very well. I feel like I've gotten to know <laughs> you a little more, and uh, you're quite an impressive man. Thank you so much. You can, I, I put, it's not a plug, but there's some information about me on my own website from photos from the past and more. Uh, Which is? Today. It's guyking.net. Definitely check it out. Thank you again for doing this. Thank you for having me.